0: you like to binge watch tv did you know you could binge listen to podcasts head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days you like podcasts about wrestling they have that do you like podcasts about tv and film they have that do you like podcasts about horror emc has that too do you like comedy do you like books guess what they've got you covered head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick
1: your favorite podcast today. Hi, everybody. This is Gary Schwartz, better known as Bravo Fox from Zoobily Zoo, and you're listening to Bull Spit with Moose. Hey, Paul, look over there at the size of that
0: moose. Son, that's no moose. That there is a pile of bulls. Okay, we need to make a couple quick adjustments here, here, and here, and you know what? Yeah, I think that's
1: better. Away we go.
0: Everyone up! Everyone in! Time for the fun to begin! Come along with us! Welcome, Moose back to an all-new episode of Bullspit with Moose. I'm your host, Moose. You know, this episode starts a series of episodes that are near and dear to my heart. And... You know, you might even shout "Bravo" once the interview has begun. So, it is with great pride and anticipation I introduce star of stage, screen, and video games, Mister Gary Schwartz.
1: Well, thank you very much, Moses. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Yep, wasn't ready for that.
1: <laughs>
0: oh man! So, how's it going, Gary?
1: It's going pretty good all things considered. Sure. I say,
0: you stay insane?
1: We're staying safe. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. living in a pretty place, uh, counting our blessings really.
0: Oh, that's good. Um so I, I was looking at your bio and you know I, I noticed that you, you know, I I knew you had an improv background. Yes. I didn't know you were a master improv teacher.
1: Well, yeah, I I suppose I am. And, well, I say that. That's uh, what
0: everyone keeps calling.
1: Well, good. Uh, but that was the goal. That's that was my uh, intention. But uh, my my ultimate goal is to make more teachers, so that uh, more people know about my teachers' work.
0: See, and then you began your career as a mime.
1: I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I started out as a mime uh, at age thirteen. Uh, um, Performing with a mime troupe in uh, Poughkeepsie, New York, called the Now Teen Mime Troupe. And we got this job for the summer following Pete Seeger and the Clearwater Sloop all up and down the Hudson River, doing folk festivals with the likes of uh, Arlo Guthrie and Don McLean and and the Beers family and uh, oh, Pete Seeger and... Uh, What they would do is they would, this was in the 60s, the Hudson River was terribly polluted and uh, the Clearwater would uh, put into a port and uh, about 10,000 people would show up on the banks of the river to listen to this fantastic folk festival. And uh, our job as the mime troupe was to put on shows to entertain the crowd. As they were massing and uh, getting ready for the concert, so we were the opener or the pre-show to the Clearwater Sloop concerts on the banks of the Hudson River. And then after the concert, Pete Seeger would tell everybody to fan out up and down the riverbank and clean up the garbage, and uh, that was his uh, that was his goal. And that that was a pretty great summer.
0: Man, how many people can say that at age thirteen they got to open for so many iconic uh, names?
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, it was uh, just a, a fluke and a, an amazing uh, stroke of luck that I fell into that.
0: I, I saw Pete Seeger's name mentioned in one of your uh, bios, and the first song that comes to mind of his is uh, English is Crazy.
1: Yeah, well, he, you know, he was a great, uh, uh, you know, uh, activist.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I say him and Arlo Guthrie. Guthrie. Jeez, I'm yeah, tight today.
1: Arlo Guthrie and... Uh, Yeah, Alice's Restaurant and all of that stuff, that was really popular at the time.
0: I remember the first time I heard Alice's Restaurant, I think I was eight years old. Yeah. My uh, dad had it on cassette. He's like, all right, listen to this. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And I was like, what is this? and it ends up turning into like one of my favorite songs of all times.
1: Yeah, it was a great it was a great song. You know, he told the story of an actual arrest that happened to him. Yeah,
0: you know, and yeah, it's just, you know, the it's fun when life can work itself into art.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the point. Hopefully,
0: rather than art working itself into life.
1: Well, it's a, it's a it's a lovely dance between art and life.
0: I lost my note.
1: So we were at the Hudson River cleaning up the Hudson River, and we were performing a pantomime, uh, and that's uh, that that that's how I got my start.
0: <laughs> that's where I was going. What was it like working uh, and learning from Viola Spolin?
1: Well, that's uh, Viola Spolin, my teacher. She's considered the uh, the the sort of godmother the grandmother of improvisation uh, the and guru uh, of improv yeah well she she never liked the term guru as a matter of fact uh, huh. uh the very funny story when at when i first uh, took my very first class with her which was just purely an accident really um i had such an experience in that very first class that i went up to her at the end of the class and I, I wanted to tell her how much uh you know that experience influenced me, that first experience with her. And I said, Miss Boland, I wanna thank you. And she just whirled around at me. She said, Don't thank me, don't thank me. It's not me. It's not me. It's the work. It's don't don't make me your guru. Oh get out. <laughs> so she was um she she didn't want that kind of, you know, cultism around her. She was just doing her job as, and uh i totally got that and and but so my next words for my were i'm going to be your apprentice this was in 1976 and she just said oh honey she says you don't know what you're talking about and i'm not going to tell the long-winded version of the story i wrote a beautiful blog about it on one of my websites so uh you can read it there but uh it ended up that i became uh A close friend of hers and uh, a very bad student for the first few years until I started having my breakthroughs and her work changed my whole life. She changed my life, basically
0: say, so I know in preparation for this, I watched three hours of interviews that you've done.
1: Oh, you watched all of the improv zones?
0: Say, so <laughs> so I've watched the improv zones. <laughs> I watched, like, every interview that YouTube had, which there are a lot for Team Fortress 2, which we'll get into here shortly. Okay. Um, <laughs> as I noticed, whenever Spolin uh, word came up, it was all, you, you, you mentioned a lot about being, you know, the side coach.
1: Yes, a side coach.
0: Could you tell the listeners what side coaches
1: well you know rather than uh, having a director ha- tell you what to do which was uh, is the sort of uh, typical way people experience uh, improv learning Viola uh, never wanted to be an authoritarian type teacher, which where knowledge came from her. Knowledge comes from your own experience. And um, so while you play a game, just like you uh, like any game or any sport, there's a coach on the sidelines kind of urging their players to do the very best they can by yelling out things that might help their play, that might help their game. So uh, she called that side coaching coaching from the side, where while the player is in the midst of working, calling out things that might elevate that player's ability to go beyond their limits and hit new uh, transcending moments uh, without being told, do this, do that, do and do the other thing. So it's a whole approach to learning and directing uh, that is very different and much more valuable to the players, because when you do something like in an improv show and you get notes after the show saying you should have done this. You should have done that. It's too late. You bombed. You did the game, went nowhere, and you're supposed to remember those notes so that you don't do it the next time. Well, that's all in your brain, in your history, and that next time may never be the same moment ever again. So, why not coach at the moment it's happening to see if you can avoid going down with the ship?
0: Doing an improv show is very much the epitome of you don't get a second chance to make a first impression.
1: Exactly, and you shouldn't, it shouldn't matter. Uh, But uh, you don't know what's going to happen or shouldn't know. What's going to happen on stage? Uh, very much like a player shouldn't not know the end of the game. They should want to win the game. But if you're if you're playing baseball, you don't know who's going to be the winner at the uh, at the ninth inning. If you did, the the game would be boring.
0: In all fairness, I have no clue how this interview is going to turn out. So
1: there you go. Well, this is it. This is this is truly <laughs> in, improvisation. We follow the uh, we follow the path that uh, we make as we go along. There's a great book called. Uh, we make the road by walking. So you
0: have a lot of additional voices almost said additional voice credits that's kind of redundant additional voices voice credits is that all adr work
1: yeah for the most part that's all adr work yeah uh what's called looping or walla. uh being a background voice actor in movies and television was like my sustaining bread and butter job that gave me a, a chance to work with uh wonderful actors and improvise uh Background dialogue for lots of movies and television shows.
0: There's a pretty big ones too. I mean, there's Nightmare Before Christmas.
1: There's, oh yeah, Uh, Prince of Tide, Batman Returns. Uh, yeah, we worked on uh, the two Jake's and, uh, uh, what? Oh my gosh. So many, so many movies. Over 600 movies and TV shows. Yeah. I did a lot of work on Star Trek. I say
0: Ants, Anastasia, Hercules. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, and, your, and your that, ADR uh, that, work is, I could see why you would call it your bread and butter.
1: It was. It was great. It was so much fun and a wonderful group of uh, actors. Uh, we were in a looping group in Los Angeles, considered the, the largest and best looping group in town. At, uh, and um, we we sort of, you know, were cast quite often with, a, uh, you know, uh, by our by our boss uh, so we all became sort of like a big family and uh, we would have to make up dialogue on the spot that fit the situations in the scene so you'd have to do a lot of research to make sure that you were accurate because even though it's barely heard in the soundtrack when you record you record at full volume and the director is usually there and they want it to sound as authentic as possible so you literally have to uh, watch what's being shown to you on the screen and improvised dialogue that would be appropriate. And so my improv skills were absolutely put to good use uh, in those situations.
0: This is very enlightening. I've always wondered how the uh, w- what they did for background noise in uh, yeah. like animation movies.
1: Yeah, in animation too. Uh, well, and it doesn't all have to be uh, background dialogue. Uh, I, I remember I spent a, a really fun day uh, on on the movie Oliver and Company, which is a, an animated film uh, sort of dogs doing the Oliver Twist story and uh, Dom DeLuise uh, was the voice of Fagin, and um, uh, he was unavailable to complete his uh, ADR work, and uh, so we had to voice match Dom DeLuise. Dom DeLuise's wheezes, in other oh, words, he, he he would uh, he would wheeze as he would talk. That was part of his voice pattern, and he so he would say, you know, nice to see you. <laughs> And uh so uh we auditioned to, to to be his wheezes and I got the job. I spent a I spent a day wheezing as Dom DeLuise's wheezes. Scary wheezy shorts. Yes, I was wheezy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, because I mean, there's a for me. It's a pretty uh, famous scene, but there's a scene in uh, Mel Brooks's History of the World Part One right. that makes fun of the like background noise, ADR work. It's when he's in the uh, Senate, and uh-huh. you know they're all lined up, and Mel and his two companions are trying to fit in, and it's just yeah, and they get a rump out of that guy,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. He was making fun of 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 Walla actors. Bees <laughs> and carrots, bees and carrots, walla, 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 walla.
0: And yeah, until I got older, I never, I just thought it was a funny joke. I didn't realize that it was a meta joke of, oh, okay, we're going to take a jab at the business while we're at it.
1: Oh, yeah. No, he did that all the time. I got to work with Mel Brooks on a movie called Life Stinks.
0: Oh, that's awesome.
1: And uh, he was one of my idols, Mel Brooks. My goodness, you know, one of the funniest men ever, ever alive.
0: And I say He is definitely in the top three of if I ever had the chance to meet him in person, I I would drop everything and book it.
1: Yeah, he's definitely who he is. He's an amazing, he's a character.
0: You had a scene in Teen Witch, <laughs> one of my all-time <laughs> favorite oh, movies. Oh my God,
1: Teen Witch.
0: You said oh, two words, but the delivery, it made the scene.
1: Oh my goodness. What were they? I don't even remember.
0: All you said Actually, was- Dean Howell. Say all you said was Mister Weaver. It was when the teacher was doing the striptease because of the uh, oh,
1: because uh, she was in. Yeah, he was being uh, directed by the yeah,
0: right, and just the delivery was Mister Weaver. (laughs) You know, it was like. Shock and excitement and surprise and just all rolled into one. It's
1: like yeah,
0: but not anger. There wasn't no, a no, hint no. of anger. It was just like, "What are you doing, man?"
1: Oh my goodness. Well, originally I was uh, I was up for the role of Mister Weaver, uh, and uh, then when they when they were able to book Shelly Berman, they they said, "You did such a good job. Uh, we, we we'll just make you the dean." So that's how that happened. You
0: did a few episodes of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. That was a fun show. Yeah,
1: I was doing. Doing that there while we were uh, uh still in production at zoobly zoo
0: so that, that seemed about the right time frame because that yeah th- they seem to be writing about the same heyday
1: yeah that was fun
0: and then ha- i noticed in my multitude of research there seems to be a generational gap in your fan base because there's <laughs> th- th- there's people my age and older uh-huh. where it's Zoobly Zoo. Right. And it's weird because my age, like I'm 30, Oh, how old am I? 34, 35. I'm right in that window. Uh-huh. Uh, so that age seems to be the break because from there down, it's Team Fortress.
1: Yeah. And I didn't even realize how uh, how popular Team Fortress was because I'm not a gamer myself. And uh, although I had done the, the, the voices for a uh, a few years it it uh it only sunk in after maybe about 4 years when uh, I was asked to uh, sign autographs, not for Team Fortress, but for another game that I did for Valve called Dota 2. And uh, they took me to this uh, event wh- uh, where where uh, teams were playing against each other in Dota, and you know it was like incredible. Uh, and and they yeah, I felt like a, a rock star. Is that the one uh, where the
0: uh, reporter stopped you?
1: Yes. <laughs> I had no concept of this and this reporter from uh, the BBC he was broadcasting uh, you know down in the uh, the uh, Benaroya Hall where this event was taking place and he was very very you know well, conservative wearing a nice toy and talking like this and saying this is oh yes you know we are we've got a remote team here and we're following the uh, the UK team uh, and their chances for winning Dota and, uh, and and he goes oh and who might you be and I said well I'm I'm uh, I play play lich. And he goes, "Oh my god, you're lich. I did a documentary on you." <laughs>
0: <laughs> i could have thought i was a uh, subject of a documentary
1: i know i because i had no i mean other than just recording the voice i had no concept of what the game was or how amazing uh the it was and yeah i played four characters in that in that uh, game a lot of the actors in in the area played multiple parts uh so uh anyway i still don't know it but i do know that dota 2 is a, just a you know a world phenomenon as was team fortress 2 for many years
0: i know yeah like i said the Team Fortress, uh, you, you've done a lot of Team Fortress interviews.
1: Yeah, well, the, the game was really popular there for a while, uh, and uh, uh, when I found that out, it was very interesting. I was I was in Australia at a an improv conference, and uh, we were just chatting about my improv background, which was somehow less impressive than uh, the fact that once s- this young gal, I should maybe twenty four, uh, was t- asking me about you know my ba- my background of. Uh, of improv and i happened to do the voice of the heavy for her she just lit up and she grabbed me around the waist and she put her head in my chest and she says oh my god i've just i've spent 900 hours with you
0: (laughs) i spent three hours with you last night Uh huh. (laughs) and not to knock any of the other interviewers i got about halfway through and they all seem to ask about the same questions
1: Uh uh-huh
0: halfway through i could answer for you
1: okay yeah (laughs)
0: But yeah, you played uh, the heavy and...
1: I played the heavy weapons guy, and I also played the demo man.
0: See, it was like Scotty on steroids, and the typical like over the top ruskie.
1: Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm kind of known for big, broad characters uh, in my uh, in my voice work, which is but fun. you're
0: such a little guy. <laughs> I mean, like because both of those, like especially the heavy. I mean, there's so much that has to come from the diaphragm.
1: Yeah, that uh, like diaphragm and the throat. <laughs> yeah, you're
0: you're you're not. I mean, you're kind of a tall guy, but you're not a big guy. So no, no, to hear, certainly to look at somebody of your stature and to hear the heavy come out of your mouth, it's just like whoa.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, my my hero growing up was Mel Blanc. Uh, yeah. Who, you know, so uh, and and he 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 literally could create. You know, he he created hundreds of. The greatest animations of my childhood
0: master of voice acting
1: absolutely was yeah
0: you also did another game that apparently nobody seems to talk to you about and if they did i can't find it anywhere uh-huh. you were in the uh, star wars old republic series as uh yeah gus
1: as as gus tuno yeah and uh, uh that that was, uh, that's really, uh, uh, I, I, I recorded that over the course of uh, several years. Uh, the game was in development, and uh, so they would pick my character up. But the scripts were huge because uh, my character goes through the entire game. Yeah. And although, you know, there's just short little lines, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a good job. That was a lot of fun.
0: And unless I'm mistaken with video games, it's more like full body acting. Cause there's, you know, cause you still have to record like the grunt.
1: Oh they're, yeah. They're just... Yeah. And uh, I, I definitely have to move and, and physically deliver the lines. Otherwise there's, there's just no life in what, I, uh, in the voice. So you definitely have to stand in front of the mic. You just can't just stand there. You have to be it. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to, to, to to voice act like that
0: well and then i have wondered when it comes to video games because i know there are multiple like yells and screams and do those get named and labeled prior to you recording oh yeah
1: in the the early days of video games they would just have you do it sequentially you know and okay you say your line here and then now here you you know you're getting blown up so let's get a good blood-curdling scream but when you scream, you actually are, are are scraping your vocal cords and then the, the, the character of your voice changes. And so you can't get back to the voice you were doing. So what they do is they record all of your standard lines and good dialogue uh, before you do all of your death uh, screams and efforts. Uh, and you, they hold those to the end because they know they're going to blow your, you're going to blow your throat out. And, um, like I, I worked on, uh, the game, um, left for dead 2, And, uh, I, uh, I played the helicopter pilot. Uh, and then, uh, I had to play, um, uh, a character called the tank, which is this gigantic zombie that like can throw cars at you and rip up streets and stuff like that. That was you. And it's, yes.
0: Huh. I don't even see that that
1: really. No, well, it's, it's not a huge credit, uh, but it's definitely there. And, uh, that I, I, I couldn't work for almost a week and a half after, after that session. So during contract negotiations, I think our union finally negotiated, uh, you know, the fact that there's, if, if, if it's not hazard pay, they made it, uh, that you, you definitely have to get extra because when you do that kind of work, you literally won't be able to audition for anything for at least a couple of days.
0: So I noticed in one of the interviews you were saying that now you can record all your screams and stuff at like the end of, you, you get all the dialogue out and then you do the yeah, screams. Yeah, you do your
1: screams and die, and dying at the end of the session uh, so that uh, <laughs> So you have you know, your voice get-
0: for the, 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 the meat of the project.
1: Right. You don't blow your voice out at the beginning of the session
0: i just pictured putting it to music and it's like death metal day in the studio
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: well moving forward let's move it let's move into the area 30 some years in the making
1: my goodness
0: you played bravo fox on a little I show certainly
1: did. called zoobly zoo on the show zoobly zoo that was really uh that was a lovely lovely period of time the wonderful group of people
0: that show I've, i i have watched and still watch occasionally mm-hmm. since i was a baby yeah
1: it's really classic i look at some of the uh, the episodes and they hold up well and i i think that's a, a token to the to the writers and to steve uh binder one of the producers uh, the, he wanted the show to have uh, what they call an evergreen quality where it wasn't simply topical stuff that you know like would peg it in, in an era and so all of the themes and the uh and and the uh the making of the show was so that it would it would endure
0: well like the uh strike up the band episode mm-hmm. you know make do with what you have you don't need uh-huh. fancy things to give a gift to somebody right that, that was my takeaway
1: well and that's the way they would write the shows they would have a, a se- an essential theme and lesson and and write with that in mind so uh, every show was to have some kind of lesson takeaway
0: obviously each Each character had their own persona. And, okay, listeners, if for some reason you don't know what we're talking about, uh, Zoobly Zoo was a show that came out in the late 80s. It was a town of, it's the word anthropomorphic?
1: Anthropomorphic characters, yeah. Animal characters uh, who all were uh, uh, creative in one aspect or another.
0: Say there was you, Bravo Fox, who worked in theater. yes. Uh, Takatu Kakatu, who was basically the news reporter.
1: Yes, the word
0: bird. Van Gogh Lion, who, as his name suggests, was the painter.
1: The artist a fabulous singer and dancer everybody but me on that show was a, a triple threat they could sing dance and act
0: Lookout Bear was the adventurer was that kangaroo yep. was the musician she was
1: musical right
0: there was Builder Beaver the yep. building the inventor, and inventor construction
1: guy right
0: and Mayor Ben who was essentially the parent figure
1: yeah he oversaw the, the, the zubels uh, from his mountaintop lair <laughs>
0: and if you haven't seen this or if you don't remember it go back and check it out I know you can find at least clips on YouTube.
1: Oh, you can find all the episodes on YouTube. There was a, a Zubel fan, uh, I think Bob liptech his name was, and he has a he has every show. They're all they're all all the all the shows are available on YouTube.
0: When you were working on that show, did you possibly in was there any inkling in your mind that you would be here thirty five years later talking to somebody about it? Who, like I said, I've watched it since I was a baby.
1: Mm-hmm. No, no, uh, but I, I was thrilled, and I was hoping that the show would. You know, the show was supposed to be. Uh, Hallmark's answer to Sesame Street in terms of a learning show and a colorful beloved characters, etc. But uh, through because of, uh, I guess, poor syndication and, and, uh, um, awkward deal-making in the, uh, f- um, uh, in the way the show was, uh, owned. Uh, it just never happened that way.
0: I think the problem was it always ended up on PBS. Well, it
1: ended up on PBS. Uh, it was supposed to, it was originally produced by Deke enterprises for Fox network when Fox network was brand new.
0: That's a name I haven't heard. And, in years. Uh, and, we had
1: uh, our first season was on Fox network. Uh, and then again, uh, it just did not uh, land properly it was not marketed properly it did not it was not given the budget it needed uh, from what I understand Uh, and then I guess was then repackaged and sold uh, to PBS which uh, took it and and it ran in many areas not nationally but it ran in many PBS markets all around the country and was popular enough to stay on the air for like about 10 years
0: as I mentioned in the pre interview uh, each of the Zubel's had a different impact on uh, a portion of my life. Uh-huh. And hopefully if everything pans out well I can get into each one with uh, everybody. But in your case Wonderful. Uh, Bravo is the reason I actually went out. I-, I pulled the trigger in high school to go out for acting.
1: Uh-huh. Wow.
0: Uh, my freshman year of high school they were doing uh, Crazy For You, the musical. Mm-hmm. and Which is how I ended up becoming Moose. And I wasn't sure I was going to do it. Wasn't sure. And then I got to thinking about it and it's was like, well, interestingly enough there, there happened to be an episode on that day when I got home. Yeah, in high school, I was still watching Zoobly Zoo. It's like, I don't remember what the episode was, but I was like, you know what, I'm going for it. And then yeah, oh. I got the part and I was acting and was in theater all four years of uh, high school.
1: That's fantastic. That's wonderful. Though well, I did my job. Which
0: led me to, as I look back on it now, uh, and you're in an interesting spot to give me the hopefully give me the answer i'm looking for um the zooply zoo set would you describe yeah. that as a proper tv set or like multiple stage settings
1: uh they were in bits and pieces the bravo stage was uh certainly there all of the different areas were built on one sound stage in uh in van nuys and um uh depending on how the set needed to be they would they would set it up and light it um and because of our schedule what we would do is we would shoot uh for a week we would shoot all of uh five five different shows per week and um so while one set was set up and built and lit we would shoot the scenes for all five episodes so we wouldn't uh, necessarily be uh doing episode you know uh one in three or four locations so we'd shoot all five different shows in that location before we would strike that set and move to you know uh was house and shoot whatever scenes were needed to shoot for all five different shows in that set uh etc so but the, the the sets were mobile and that's that's how we worked you know and then if we would need to create Exteriors like, you know, uh, the Dreamland or Laughland or the Tunnel of Surprise. Those were specially built. The Tunnel
0: of Surprise. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I forgot all about it until you said it. Now that song's stuck in my head. All right. (laughs) (laughs) That all sounds. Like it could get really confusing.
1: Well, it was. It wasn't really because we would get the scripts, you know, for that week, and we would read through them, and they were only half hour long, so we would pretty much know what we were doing. And the more we got into it, the more the interplay with the characters just became second nature. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen our outtake reel, but uh, we would have a blast. A lot of times, uh, several of the directors would allow us to kind of improvise past the the end of the scene just to see what we would come up with. And I, I had a ball with that and we would uh, we would just crack each other up
0: I don't think that show would have worked with any other
1: cast that's one of those lucky happy accidents
0: yeah you guys had Natural chemistry
1: Oh thanks We really did Really like each other I was in awe Of all of the other actors Again like I said They were all So talented They could sing Dance Play musical Instruments uh, All good actors
0: As a viewer You can generally tell When like is forced Or if it's just A natural Like okay Those two get along On you know On screen Maybe they get along Off screen We don't know But they definitely Get along on screen
1: Yeah Well there was no time really to hang out because we were shooting like we were doing 15 hour days, but uh, uh, we definitely uh, enjoyed our we enjoyed our time with each other. Definitely.
0: That's a wrap. Okay, I'm going to
1: bed. Uh See
0: you in the morning. (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. I would wake up in the morning sometimes and the pillow would come with me because I never got all the glue off. Oh, man. Uh-huh. I had a, I, I had a lot of glue on my head. <laughs> well, and the- I, I did it to myself because uh, they wanted to just give me a, a, a headpiece, like a cap with ears like everybody else had. But I said, absolutely not. He's a, he's a theatrical man and he's got to have this great look. And I, see, so I don't think I it would them-
0: look the same without the mane.
1: Yeah. Uh, the wigs were... Were, you know the the wig was in five different pieces and uh uh it was uh I was always complaining about it because if anybody would snag my wig it would have to get re glued and it was a pain in the but I was always going, Watch the hair, watch the hair but- <laughs>
0: Don't touch my hair. Don't touch, Don't my touch hair. the hair.
1: Don't touch the hair. Me and Donald Trump are the same color.
0: Bravo Fox, the diva coming through.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it was the diva. I just didn't want to have to get go back to the makeup trailer to have it re-glued. It was a lot of, you know, I I loved it at first cuz I was I really enjoyed prosthetic makeup. My very first movie role was uh, uh won the first Academy Award for prosthetic makeup in in Hollywood history called it was a Quest for Fire. And uh, so I, I and I love doing Prosthetic makeups, and one of our prosth- uh, one of our makeup artists as a young man was a guy named Bill Corso, who ended up winning at Oscars and Emmys and uh, became one of the top makeup men in Hollywood in the 90s. And two- uh, yeah, I think he's still working. But his very first job was on Zoobly Zoo. Huh. Yeah, I think he won. I think he won uh, an Emmy for The Stand. He did all the makeup on The Stand, the- Stephen King's The Stand.
0: Well, I mean, you definitely had plenty of time to hone your craft on Zooly Zoo. Makeup galore on that one.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of makeup on that. I didn't do the makeup, but I, I worked with Bill to uh, help design the makeup, and and uh, the wigs were my idea, and, uh, you know, I did not like the first pass at my nose, and so they did a better job making the nose smaller and less like a big honker, And because uh, I, I thought I looked like a wolf and not a fox.
0: Uh, a fox has more of a petite nose.
1: Yeah, yeah, so anyway, uh, there was a collaboration at the beginning, and, uh, and Bill was super talented. uh, And all of the makeup people were great. And we got to know them very well because we spent you know, the first two hours in the morning with them every day.
0: So one of the people I won't get a chance to talk to is uh, the
1: late forest garden. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was such a shock and sadness. It was so nice that we were all able to have a reunion before we, you know, before he passed away. We had, uh, uh, I think Louise Valance was working on getting uh, getting all of us together and, and it worked out. It was uh, uh, more touching now than I, I even realized at the time. Because that was the last chance I saw Boris. What was he like on set? Uh, he was uh, very into his character. Uh, he was a lot of fun. Uh, he wasn't as much of a cut up uh, as, uh, let's say, uh, uh, Sandy Grin or or Michael Moynihan. Uh, but we all had a blast together. And uh, you know, he was a he was a sweet, sweet guy and a spectacular singer and dancer. My God, just just the nicest guy.
0: I say, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's a trained dancer.
1: Oh, man, yeah. I think he worked with, you know, the likes of, uh, oh, gosh, you know, he was a background dancer in so many famous videos and, and TV specials. Uh, he, oh, and super athletic and agile. And you can and see it, voice. too,
0: even in the suit. I mean, even in costume. He yeah. had those, like, dance numbers when he did, when he brought, uh, I think the statue's name was... Uh, Galatea. Galatea. And he was dancing with the statue. I mean, he was just so limber. Yeah.
1: Oh, he was a brilliant, he was a dancer. And a choreographer, yeah. Yeah,
0: you know, and just just brilliant moves and just light on his feet.
1: Absolutely.
0: And it was just gorgeously choreographed.
1: And then I could watch him and uh and Mike Moynihan, who's a, a wonderful uh tap dancer and they, they would I, I could not dance a lick I was like the clod of the group
0: huh, see I didn't know you couldn't dance
1: yeah well it's very interesting uh you know I didn't even go out on the very first audition uh, my partner Caleb Chung I was part of a comedy team uh, called Schwartz and Chung and uh, Caleb had been working on a Disney show called um, uh, Dumbo's Flying Circus and he uh, because he was uh, you know in that world he had heard about these auditions for Zoobly Zoo and so uh, I said well you know I love looked at the uh, thing it said actors who can sing and dance and I said well that leaves me out uh, so he said well I'm going on it uh, on the audition so I said well good luck to you and so he went on the audition now he and I were he was a brilliant mime as well and um, uh but he wasn't a trained dancer or a singer and uh, he got a he got a call back and uh, then I thought to myself wait a minute if he got a call back he can't sing or dance or act as well as I can act so I said let me be your scene partner on the callback. Uh, so he took me on the callback uh, and we did a scene together. And then I was asked to call back and I ended up getting the part and uh, he didn't. <laughs>
0: Did he at least get the role of the mime later?
1: Uh, he, oh, he, uh, <laughs> Caleb, my partner, and still one of my dearest friends, uh, after he didn't get Zubilee Zoo, uh, he started tinkering in his garage making uh, making uh, RC robots. And he got on a show called Robot Wars and won a couple of tournaments with these amazing robots that he built. Ended up getting a job at Mattel Toys for about 10 years designing toys. He literally was the job that Tom Hanks had in big Uh, and uh, because we all worked with children he knew what was fun and he learned toy the toy business really well so well in fact that when he left mattel he went out on his own and he invented something called the furby oh i have him and to blame he, for that yes and uh, <laughs> he became an instant he became an instant multimillionaire and uh, uh, he's doing very well thank you very much
0: uh it's you know it's funny that you almost didn't go out for the role of bravo because of this sing and dance thing. yeah because that's actually yeah. why I wasn't going to go for the role in Crazy for You. Because I can sing. Uh-huh. I can act. Uh-huh. Um, at the time, I was three three 375 pounds. I could have chance wow. to save my life.
1: Yeah.
0: And well, I was just like, um, I'm not sure. I want to put myself out there for that.
1: Right. But you never know what you're capable of doing until you have to do it. And uh, I, I, uh, I made the best of it. What I told him is, it says, I'm not a trained dancer, but as a mime, I move very well. But um, uh, I, I literally have no sense of rhythm at all. But uh, the, the choreographer, Kat, worked with us. And, uh, you know, usually if you see me dancing, I'm in the back. So you don't see my footwork. It's
0: like I not only learned how to tap dance, I learned how to tap dance in cowboy boots.
1: Yeah, there you go. As Ginger Rogers says, I did everything Fred Astaire did backwards.
0: Yeah. Do you have any upcoming projects coming out? Uh
1: well, I'm uh I'm basically uh starting to uh teach improv uh via Zoom. Uh and I've been uh playing around uh with Zoom and um, you know, I had been traveling around the world. Uh, teaching improv workshops uh, uh, but now uh, we all have to do it virtually until this is all over with but my intention is to continue to promote Viola Spolin's work and try to mentor as many teachers and players as who would like to uh, learn you know the source material of improv and the source philosophy of improv which has has gone far afield in in the generation since the 1960s
0: Well you heard it folks you you could take uh, improv lessons from Gary Schwartz on Zoobly Zoom.
1: On Zoobly Zoom. There we go. We should have a Zoobly Zoom uh, channel.
0: <laughs> Normally, I would ask, uh, like, you know, if you had a dream role or something like that. But for Zoobly, for the Zoobly Zoom ones, I, I, I do have one pointed question. Do you think... Okay in this age of reboots, Zoobly Zoo would work with a reboot? Because I personally do.
1: Yes. Well, you know, uh, 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 Louise Valance, uh, Stevie Valance, uh, Stevie Valance, uh, uh, who was at Kangaroo, was uh, trying to spearhead a uh, uh, an animated version of Zoobly Zoo. Uh, and she'd been sort of pushing that rock up the hill for a long time. Her and I are on the same page. It would certainly work. Uh, there's so many different uh, reasons why it, it It can't happen, but uh, uh, it's not for the willingness of all of the Zubels. I think we would all love it.
0: Well, because, I mean, you know, even if it's just updated a little bit, I mean, you could still, you know, run the Bravo Theater, update it to musicals, cause that seems to be the popular.
1: Well, we did, we did musicals at my theater. I, yeah. uh, I wrote, I wrote an episode called Bravo's Puppets where we did the musical version of Pure Gint.
0: Yep. Uh, Takatu Kakatu could be a podcast host.
1: Oh my goodness. Takatu, Karen Hartman, she's, uh, she's she's brilliant and funny and sweet you're gonna ah, i miss them all i
0: think a zoobly zoo animated show would be perfect like i i I would imagine it's a rights issue and stuff there's rights issues and things like that the way
1: the way the show was originally constructed there's it's a it's it's a uh a Gordian knot of legal issues and ownership rights. And so, of unfortunately, it it's not going to be able to happen in that way. But uh, I'm so glad that there's a grassroots fan base. It's sort of feels like, you know, how Star Trek came about. You know, it went off the air and the fans insisted that they – pick it back up well and it was a fan driven show and that's so sweet that you know that i get i get to hear from people like you who are big fans
0: well and we show it to our kids
1: it's a, also that again just super icing on the cake
0: Yeah, because i mean it, it was such an integral part to our childhood and it helped us with so many things
1: that's lovely to hear that it really is
0: as a parent you're like, well, okay. We know this helped us, so yeah. maybe it'll do the same for our kids. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe it'll have the same impact with them, and then it becomes a third generation tradition.
1: Well, you know, Sesame Street's over fifty years old. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You
0: know, so I mean, uh, it's
1: lovely to think about and uh, lovely to hear because uh, it was one of my ultimate goals was to be uh, on a show that would influence kids like me. I was a latchkey kid growing up. I I literally was raised by television and early television in the 50s, you know, when television was a brand new medium. uh, It's literally just saved my life and showed me a world outside of my own childhood uh that i aspired to and uh so if if we can if i can can be part of that for some other generation wow that's just a, a an aspiration come true which i'm really glad that it did and in as, as as limited uh, a release as zoobly zoo had <clears throat> it endures which i'm thrilled about i'm learning so, so thank you the... for much for looking me up oh
0: god yeah well like i said in that first interview uh interview in that first email I was ecstatic when I found out that I could reach out to you. I was like, Oh no. Like <laughs> like I was a little shaky and I was just like, Yeah, I'm sending the email. And yeah, my, my wife was sitting over on the other couch and she's like, What's wrong? I was like, I just emailed Bravo Fox. She was you're such a nerd. I was like, I don't care.
1: <laughs> We're actual people too. It's uh it's lovely. That's what you know
0: You know, it's As a kid, you want to, watching you, you know, like I said in the pre-interview, you know, I said, as a kid, you want to reach out and talk to you guys, but you can't because you're on the TV. Mm -hmm. Now you can. Yeah.
1: Yeah why not?
0: And it's just like, it's mind blowing to finally be able to have that one moment you wanted as a kid.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad I could be part of that. And uh, again, you don't know how nice that makes me feel at the same time.
0: Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I could bring some joy, you know, return some of the joy that you've brought me over. the Yeah. Years.
1: It's good validation. You really, uh, it's lovely to hear from people like you.
0: Where can your fans find you on social media?
1: Or- uh, well, my, uh, my, my gen- general website. Oh, let, this is a good time for me to promote my children's book.
0: Promote away. It's your time.
1: Okay. Well, um, I, I wrote a children's book, an award-winning children's book, uh, but my publisher went out of business six months after it, it was released. So I, I'm self-published now, but uh, I'm super proud of the book. It's called The King of Average. And uh, it's a fantasy book like uh, The Wizard of Oz or uh, The Phantom Booth," And uh, it's available on Amazon. And uh, you can also uh, see... Uh, Uh, about my career and my life at my own website, which is gary-schwartz.com. Make sure you use the hyphen and uh, not just uh, gary-schwartz.com, which is a uh, a doctor who... believes in life after death mm-hmm. but um, gary-schwartz.com uh, and you can uh, see the reviews of my book you can see video clips of zoobly zoo and all of my tv work here my animation tape and voiceover work and uh, learn about me that way uh, if you're interested in improvisation my website uh, spolin games online org is a video game library or not a video game but a video library of all of viola spolin's games uh taught either by me or viola spolin herself and uh it's a way to um for me to uh, promote viola spolin's work and life so those two websites will definitely get you going and i will
0: put those uh websites in the episode description so that they have easy access to linking to them.
1: Great. And if you want to uh, listen to the audio book of, of uh, The King of Average, uh, you can get it at Audible. And of course, it's read by me and I play all of the characters in the book, which was a lot of fun to do as well.
0: Oh, well, now you just gave me something else to do. <laughs> well, folks, he told you where to find him and. As always, you can find me over on Twitter at, at the handle Moose Media Inc. Feel free to leave comments, questions, or if you have any ideas as to who you would like to topics as to what you would like to hear me discuss on the show. That's Moose Media Inc. You're home for all of your Moose Media needs. Uh, Gary, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I mean, like I said, this, this has been a lifelong dream.
1: Well, it was a great pleasure, and thank you so much.
0: And I'm happy I made, made it through without getting too tongue-tied.
1: And give my regards to all of the other Zubels, and uh, you know they all have wonderful stories. And uh, we've we followed each other over the years, thanks to Facebook and things like that. So uh, I'm sure you'll have a blast with all of them as well.
0: Oh, I'm looking forward to it. So once again, thanks for coming on the show. Okay, folks. There's a lot of other podcasts out there, but if you didn't hear it here, probably just a load of bull spit. Until next time. Ooh-hee, that sure was some bull spit, but I sure had fun. Junior, you need some help. Be sure to tune in next time.